Good Wednesday morning to you. This is Jeffrey T. Fertiller back with another Wednesday morning tea with Jeffrey. As we do most Wednesdays, we like to talk about service management subjects, especially ones that cause us grief. And if we're being totally honest with ourselves, we in the service management world have not done change management, change enablement for you. I tell four people, we haven't done that very well. We have not matured it or pushed it forward as an industry like we should have. And if I imagine what the future will look like, it's going to look like totally something different than what we have today. Most organizations are too bureaucratic with their change. I've been places that a hundred people for two hours tied up on the cab calls. Consider how much that costs. And so the bureaucracy of change. Now let's be, let's be fair. Change management enablement, if you will, will have some bureaucracy to it. If you gauge everybody's opinion, just because it is at the point where we have to be a control to make sure that our production environment is as safe as possible. Totally understand this. I've been in the change world well over a decade and I've seen it all. But I have one thing that I would like to say and then some, some possible solutions. I dislike people throwing out problems without solutions. So I try not to be that guy. The future of change management enablement will be through the processes or practices will be developed through the eyes of the stakeholders. And most stakeholders I know, I would say every, but every is a strong word, strong, strong, strong word. Bring, brings me to an antidote that I always reflect back on. Always and never, two, two words to always remember never to use. It's always something that gives me humor. But if we think back to what drives the process from a stakeholder point of view, it's usually speed to deliver and controlling risk. Yes, there may be some others like ease of inputting changes or being nice to people on the cabs, but most things are speed to deliver and controlling risk. With that in mind, I have six, possibly seven, suggestions on how we can do change better. One is to use automation. The easiest and most likely candidate is the ability for us to have standard changes that have automated testing so that once it passes that testing, kicks off a standard change and we're able to deploy without any effort, human effort that is, other than setting it all up and testing, make sure everything's swell. But this automation is coming and it will help both the lower risk because we won't have human error as much. I would say as much. Those who say it'll go away, I think are fooling themselves. But it also allows us to have speed to delivery. 
brings me to number two. It'll, we should increase the use of standard changes in general and use metrics to ensure that each is low risk. I would argue that standard changes should make up 60 to 70% of your changes if you are a mature organization. If everything is, to use a U.S. term, the wild, wild west, everything's crazy, then it may be 40% are standard changes. But as you gain confidence and add more, gain confidence, add more. And so then you just look at your metrics and see if any and which ones caused incidents and then evaluate those accordingly. I don't like the practice of, well, if it standard change caused an incident, it's no longer a standard change. What happens if somebody just fat fingered it, made a mistake, a human mistake? It's going to make that same human mistake, whether it's a normal change or a standard change. Number three, set up localized calves for each subsidiary or product team or area where these changes are localized to that area. I've, in my experience, had where I had a stakeholder that wanted, they wanted to deploy daily. So we said, and all their changes only impacted them. Set up a cab for them to deploy daily. Sure, did it take more effort? You bet. Was this customer extremely happy? Yes, because we went from having them wait a week for their changes to now they can do it daily. Once again, use metrics to, to validate the risk. But if the people who are going to suffer the consequences are on that call, if a change goes bad, and it goes bad, they're part of your cab and they can help you improve. Number four, use change windows strategically. Think about how we can group types of changes for speed and lack of collision. You should be able to look in your CMDB and see that these changes to application X and infrastructure Y will not impact each other. If you need help with your CMDB, please reach out. We do CMDBs well. So you can use your, your change windows to group types of changes, but it's also very, very valuable in terms of meeting those or meshing those with what's best for your customer, what's best for your consumer and their experience. Most places dislike Sunday night changes because Monday morning is the worst for getting calls. Stuff happens over the weekend, this and that. So how can you set up these windows strategically with input, feedback, and dialogue with that customer? Number five, change management, change enablement should be integrated with your configuration management team. If you think back to the process activity of configuration management, there was one called configuration control. And that's where change management, change enablement looks for changes in uh, change requests to match to every change in state or change in attribute for a configuration item. Change management or enablement also 
intersects with incident management for emergency changes, changes that were unsuccessful. So we have to think to ourselves, if we have all these intersections and think back to ITIL v3, where the output of one process is the input of another, but if we have all these intersections, how can we build bridges with these dependent processes and practices? In a world that loves walls, why don't we build bridges? So that when a change goes south, we have a great relationship with the incident people. When the CMDB team, their discovery finds something that they, it's easy for them to reach out to the change people to see if there's a change request. How are you gonna handle those unauthorized changes? Those are all great, great bridge building avenues. And lastly, use change freezes and change frosts strategically. Does your organization have stress during some seasons of the year? Why not limit changes during those times? I saved one organization that I was working at over 10,000 lost hours from the year before. Just from the year before, they had outages during due to bad changes. The year I put in a frost and gave an escalation path. We eliminated, like I said, 10,000 lost hours. That's a lot. And so what is applicable? You think about your financial systems that have to close the first few days of every month. Why would you do changes on the third of the month? You shouldn't not ones that would impact that. But think of some industries. Universities have a peak time that should not have changes. How about your big retail stores, whether in the mall or online? I would I would argue for a change freeze or a change frost from Halloween through Valentine's Day just to make sure that we don't have any issues. Tax firms, first 100 days of the year, to get us through April 15. Just think, how can we do this better? How can we, so in conjunction with the change windows, how can we put changes into production, still allowing, still allowing speed and controlling risk that are best for our stakeholders? That is what we're left with. This is Jeffrey T. Fertiller. We thank you for listening. Please follow our company page. And as you get a feel for our experience, please think of us as we are looking for our next engagement for some of our teams. And I hope you have a great, great Wednesday. Thank you once again. Bye.